Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us here on the Three Martini Lunch. If you were not with us towards the end of last week, then you need to know that this week's going to be a little bit different on the Three Martini Lunch because neither Jim nor I are actually here. Uh, we have put together a series of special episodes because, as it turned out, my rescheduled uh, vacation, thanks to COVID earlier in the summer, and Jim's vacation here in early August coincided. And so uh, neither of us could be here, but there's plenty to talk about. And so we're going to bring you some special episodes this week. We're going to talk about today Jim's uh, brand new novel. It's about to uh, hit your uh, mailbox after you order it, which I highly recommend. Uh, Then we're going to be talking about one year uh, since the debacle in Afghanistan. That'll be tomorrow's episode. And then uh, later in the week, we're going to have Two of those episodes we talked about uh, with your questions and our answers, and we'll also have a midterm preview following the most recent primary. So stay tuned for all of that. I'm sure, Jim, that nothing significant anywhere in the world or in the country is going to be breaking news this week. I'm confident that we're not going to miss anything. Greg, what happens in August? Everybody's on vacation, you know, (laughs) other than the Iraq invading Kuwait, uh, coups in Russia, the collapse of Afghanistan. Okay, a lot of stuff happens in August, you know. (laughs) Hey, quick call Chad Benson and Rob Long. See what they're doing. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, talk about Jim's brand new novel. Now, if you have um, been listening to the Three Martini Lunch for a while, you know that Jim has written a number of books, um, Voting to Kill way back in the day, uh, but also The Weed Agency and Heavy Lifting along with Cam Edwards. But he's also written uh, two thrillers known as the Dangerous Click series, which has recurring characters. There was Between Two Scorpions and then Hunting for Horsemen. And now, Jim, Gathering Five Storms. So first of all, give our listeners a little bit of background on the series and what they can expect in this latest installment. Sure. So I've had the ideas for these characters for a very long time. If you know me, you may recognize certain personalities Uh, I think a bunch of people have figured out who the Ward character is. The gist is that within the Central Intelligence Agency, they recognized after 9-11 that there were, in addition to Al-Qaeda and various other terrorist groups, there's a whole crop of other aspiring Osama bin Ladens there. And the idea that if you could kill one of them earlier in their career, they would not grow up to be major league terrorists. So this uh, small team gets formed. It has representatives from the FBI, representatives from the NSA, the military. And they're all kind of the island of misfit toys. They are not the best and brightest. They are not the absolute. My characters are not the, you know, Rod Stronger, the toughest, meanest, you know, (laughs) former. You know, in thriller novels, you often have these characters who are ex-Navy SEAL, ex-FBI, ex-extreme sports enthusiast. They always have like 14 different things in their background. Um, my characters are, I think, representative of their various agencies and their different ways of approaching the problem. Folks really enjoyed the Between Two Scorpions menace. It was basically looking at a terrorist group that actually understood how America worked and how Americans thought. Something like if uh, if ISIS actually understood America, how would they attack the country? And, you know, uh, those who listen to this podcast may have heard Greg and I laughing a lot. And so these are, yes, these are thrillers. Yes, they are kind of the, you know, the types of excitement and thrills you'd get in 24. But there's also a lot of humor in them. There's also, I help try to make very likable, relatable characters. There's a lot of quips and references to pop culture and uh, 
things like that. People have said that they are quirky, that they are fun, uh, and I desperately try to avoid cliches. So that's the kind of gist of it. These stories are a heck of a lot of fun to write. I think they're a lot of fun to read. Uh, they've had a decent amount of success with both of them. The second book, Hunting Four Horsemen, was written during the pandemic and basically dealt with what I uh, came across in the course of my research into COVID-19, the possibility of weaponizing a virus to target particular genes, what they sometimes call an ethnic bioweapon. Um, folks thought that one was a little darker than the other ones, so I think this one will hopefully, uh, Gathering Five Storms is got its share of laughs, its lighter moments, its strong personalities. I like to have bits and pieces of uh, uh, kind of a, just you know, almost like an office comedy, just set in the world of high stakes, life and death counterterrorism. Excellent, excellent. So Gathering Five Storms, without giving away too much, uh, what's, the, what's the premise in this one? So in the first two books, I read through all the Amazon reviews. By the way, if you like an author and you like a book, please go onto Amazon and give a review. It means a lot. And uh, as usual, you know, give it five stars. I'll take four. Um, but, you know, basically, this means a lot. This adds helps with the algorithm, helps bring attention to people, uh, you know, bring attention to new audiences. So, uh, But the people had said, well, this is great, but you kind of started this series with these characters kind of in the middle of their career. How did this team get started? And they were references to how it began, but they really wanted to hear that origin story. So the more I thought about it, the more I thought, and so I decided, okay, the team got started uh, shortly after 9-11, right around as we're leading up to the Iraq war in the early months of 2003. Because I figured if there's anything you wanted to have happen and have the world not notice, it would be during something big happening like the Iraq war. And uh, it was also kind of a way to think about where the country was and the world was back at that time period and how it is now. Uh, the reason I call it Gathering Five Storms is I suspect, you know, we, we talk about the news a lot in this podcast. We joke about having our good martinis, our bad martinis, and our crazy martinis. And there have been a lot of bad and crazy martinis in recent years. Um, everything from COVID to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, concerns about global famine. Um, you know, it feels like there's always some corner of the world that is uh, exploding and, and, you know, causing a potential threat to a whole bunch of us. So I can think about, oh, my God, you know, particularly once you become a parent, you have this sense of, you know, what's the world coming to? Is it spinning off its axis? What kind of world are my kids going to inherit? And then also that recognition of, well, actually, wait back, back when, you know, Greg and I were younger men and it was 2003, we were, you know, shortly after 9-11, there was anthrax in the mail. We had that sense of fear and that sense of wondering what the tomorrow was going to hold then, too. So it's kind of this looking at the changes in uh, the country and the world over that time period. You see the characters at the beginning of their careers or much younger days and then later on um, how the team started to work together. That whole I tried very hard to make this this not the kind of story to story and the you know things work a little too smoothly for the characters and everything works out great. This is not that story. These characters are particularly at that stage of life, young, foolish, maybe a little reckless, a little foolhardy, biting off a bit more than they can chew. And that by the time of, uh, you know, the, the modern day of this book uh, takes place in around midsummer 2021, they are older, they're wiser. Uh, the two main characters, Katrina and Alec, are about to come, become parents. All of the stress that happens with a pregnancy, and uh, as we learned with our second child, what they call a geriatric pregnancy, Mrs. Garrity loved that term. Uh, when you decide, you know, your geriatric pregnancy, you feel like you're, you know, belong in a cocoon. Um, this idea of, you know, how do you continue being who you are in your career and what you want to do while also being a parent and all the joy that comes with uh, having a child and all of the 
uh, let's face it, fear and terror and an immense responsibility that comes with having a child. So there's a lot going on in the lives of my characters in this book and uh, kind of this idea. The other kind of wrinkle in all this is that the uh, one of the inciting incidents of this book is a truck bomb at the front gate of CIA headquarters. And at first they think this is a generic, you know, nut job terrorist. And then there's indication that actually, no, this truck bomb was designed to kill my team, the team specifically. And the idea that somebody is out there trying to kill them, um, which kind of you know, raises uh, uh, the stakes of this dramatically, makes them feel like they're very much uh, in the crosshairs. And of course, Katrina has been told by her doctor, please try to avoid stress. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. I'm guessing the doctor doesn't quite know what she does. Um, so, Jim, a lot to chew on there. So uh, the background story, uh, an excellent plot as it unfolds, plus uh, expanding the family. That's a lot going on in this book. So I highly encourage uh, uh, folks to check it out. I am about to read it myself. So uh, I look forward to uh, talking about it with you on a future episode as well, perhaps when it officially goes online on Amazon. And we'll have details about that at the end of the podcast today. Uh, for those of you uh, who enjoy thrillers, uh, I can just tell you from Jim's previous novels that this is going to be well worth your time uh, and your and your money on this one. So uh, in the meantime, hopefully it won't make you pull your hair out. But if it does, uh, we've got some good news for you, thanks to the folks over at Nutrafol. Because you don't have to choose between a better hair growth and your health. There's a holistic solution for men that promotes both healthier hair and whole body wellness. So so get ahead of thinning hair with Nutrafol's whole body approach to hair growth. No drugs and no compromises. Nutrafol's hair growth nutraceuticals go beyond genetics to multi-target the root causes of thinning. Nutrafol's drug-free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results. In a clinical study, men showed progressive improvement in hair growth and thickness after three months and six months. And Nutrafol is trusted and recommended by more than 3,000 top doctors. It's a lot of top doctors. You can grow thicker and healthier hair and support the Three Martini Lunch by going to Nutrafol.com slash men and entering the promo code Martini to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com slash men. Spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men. Promo code Martini. All right, Jim. In addition to the novel, we also have what I like to call the Sangala Bridge. If you are big fans of uh, 24, you know that after season six, which for my money is perhaps the weakest uh, uh, season of 24, uh, we had a major plot shift to get Jack Bauer uh, to the East Coast (laughs) for season seven. And so that led to a two-hour movie of Jack Bauer being in Sangala, Africa, and introducing us to a whole bunch of evil characters that showed up in season seven of uh, 24. And so what you're doing here is uh, kind of bridging that gap as well with a uh, short story called Saving the Devil. What's that all about? Sure. So people know me as a political writer on this podcast. We almost always talk politics. Occasionally, we'll dip our toes into the world of sports or culture or things like that. And I knew that people who enjoy reading my political stuff were wondering, am I going to like this thriller thing? Is this different? Is it similar? I also had a lot of people who asked the question, well, I really like the weed agency. Is it like that? And the answer is, well, it's a thriller, so it's not exactly like that. But yeah, there's a lot of occasional you know, segues about uh, the way the government bureaucracy operates, how it works or how it doesn't work. And if you're reading very carefully, you will start seeing signs that they are occurring in the same universe, so to say, so to speak. 
But I wanted a way to introduce readers to these characters, to give them a sense of the tone, the style, the sorts of adventures the characters have. And I decided, okay, I, do, you know, I understand that, uh, you know, that, that when you're getting off a plane, they say, thank you for flying Oceana Airlines. We know you have a choice in flying. And very often you don't, right? You go onto Expedia or whatever your travel site is. You're looking for the cheapest flight. You're looking for the destination, the time. And that's, this is the airline you had. So you ended up flying Oceana instead of the other airline or something like that. Well, I know people have a choice in their leisure reading. I know people have, everybody and their brother has not just uh, a book that's coming out. They've got uh, nonfiction. They got fiction. It's like, okay, how do I convince people? How do I give people a tapas size? How do I give people a nice little starter to see if this is what they like? Well, in Saving the Devil, which takes place very shortly after Hunting Four Horsemen, you know, the good guys have taken care of that threat, at least for now. But there are various other folks that are out there, various other kind of parts of this network that was involved in an effort to develop that uh, ethnic bioweapon. And so they get a lead on somebody. And so they need a way to track this person down. And they go to a Department of the Treasury because they think they can track this person down through uh, finances. And they, by introducing this new character uh, who is named Minnie Black, that has nothing to do with my other podcast co-host, Minnie White, um, <laughs> that basically this person gets to meet all of the characters in the team. You get a quick introduction to all of them, a quick briefing on this is the kind of threat we're trying to eliminate, and one mission in which things may not go well. Basically, this is an exceptionally notorious financier of terrorism and biological weapons who is also in hock to the Russian mob and marked for death. So now the question is, you've got basically the worst person in the world. Can you save them before the Russian mob kills them off? And how much do you want to? How important is it to save this person in order to find out who else is part of this terror network and things like that? Kind of create, you know, the irony, the fun, the, the inner conflict of having to save someone who you think is the absolute worst person on earth before they, you know, get killed off and you lose valuable intelligence or something like that. So this one, it's only about 35 pages. It's 99 cents on Kindle. Um, I don't think there's any plans to put this out in a pamphlet form or anything like that. Uh, by the way, the Kindle app is free to download. So I think everybody who's got a phone, you got a computer, you got a tablet, I think everybody should be able to read it. And I wanted to give somebody people things that they could you know, try for just 99 cents. And if you like it, great. You can try the rest of the books. I think they're all now $12.99 and the ebook version is $3.99. Not asking for a major, not asking you to buy a set of encyclopedias here. Um, but if, it, you know, if you try it and it's not your cup of tea, Please tell me what's wrong. No, um, that's fine. That's you know, Hopefully you still enjoy this podcast and you enjoy everything else that I write. It's not going to be for everybody. I've seen one or two folks who probably expected something more akin to the, you know, uh, you know, Shooter McGavin is the world's toughest ex-Navy SEAL golfer or something like that. And uh, that didn't get something like that. Maybe it's been people find it a little too funny or irreverent or, or things like that. But uh, that's, you know, if you're if you're not sure, if you're feeling kind of on the fence, this is the easy way to try it. If you, I hope you like it, and hopefully you end up getting the whole series. Ninety nine cents. I mean, you can't even get stuff for a dollar at the dollar store anymore. So, right? I mean, that's you know, <laughs> my, as I understand it, there's not going to be inflation. But you know what? Maybe there will be. So order it now. Yes, you never know. Jump on it now. All right, Jim. On to our third part of the conversation now. And you talked about this a little bit in in, in the first section, and that's kind of weaving real world events. Uh, that are around us, and certainly the whole premise for uh, Hunting for Horsemen did that with uh, COVID and, and potentially uh, targeted bioweapons and so forth. So how much of what you're looking at here is based on what you see as 
real-world scenarios that could erupt on us very soon, and how much of it is uh, based on things that you've thought about that maybe one day could, but you're not necessarily seeing specific uh, gathering clouds of that just yet. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I hope to never have the Tom Clancy record where at the climax, spoiler alert, uh, the climax of Debt of Honor, a uh, hijacked passenger airliner crashes into the Capitol Dome. And uh, they, so I never want anything that I write to end up becoming true. But um, one of the responses people have given is that, you know, for this fun, irreverent, you know, kind of wacky series, your bad guys are always coming up with something that is utterly terrifying and utterly plausible. Um, and in this one, one of the kind of the, the dynamic here. So I've, I've, you know, I've always created this team, the idea that they're um, kind of on the fringe of the CIA's organization. They're not on the official organization chart. They're called the dangerous click because they don't work well with others. They basically have always believed that the organization has moles and, and people who are leaking information. So the best way to keep what they're doing secret is to simply not tell anyone what they're doing uh, unless they absolutely have to. And uh, because of this, they've made enemies within the organization and things like that. Um, when I was thinking through the backgrounds of the characters and the idea that they were being recruited into this in 2003, I had at least two of them, uh, one a former army ranger and one a case officer for the Central Intelligence Agency, both having worked in Afghanistan. And both of them, my CIA senior officer, Katrina Leonidovna, her background is in Uzbekistan, and she speaks the languages that are spoken in northern Afghanistan. And that's why at a fairly young age, fresh off the farm, they send her to Afghanistan. She's not there to be doing the traditional senior case officer stuff. She's there to translate and to be able to take care of herself. And so once, you know, I'm, I'm, portions of this were written uh, last year as we were seeing things start to unravel in Afghanistan. And I debated how much I wanted to make that a theme, that basically how much Afghanistan and the experiences there right after 9-11 shaped these characters and whether they were carrying around, um, if not pain and burden or anything like PTSD, but just a general sense that that was a major place that formed them and turned them into the people that they are and how would they react to seeing the Taliban taking over and things like that. Um, the modern day section of Gathering Five Storms has the team experiencing much more friction with the management of the CIA than usual. Uh, I don't have Burns as the CIA director. I created one uh, because I wanted to have the freedom to have the CIA director saying and doing things that somebody like Burns might not, you know, just wouldn't be in their kind of character. And there's a, you know, periodic, it's, you know, without giving too many spoilers, the CIA director says, look, the president wanted it this way, so we're doing it this way. And, you know, we've seen a lot of people argue about what do you do when you're in serving in the government, you're serving the national security community, and the president makes the wrong choice. Do you push back? Do you give the president your best advice? Do you say, Mr. President, you're making a mistake? Do you resign? Are you worried that the person who replaces you will be a less competent version of you? Um, so the team kind of struggles with this question. This is the most friction they've had. And while they're dealing with a fictional problem, if you see a certain subtext regarding Afghanistan and all the advice that was given to President Biden about keeping Bagram Air Base open and the danger of a precipitous withdrawal, and the risk that things could go terribly wrong. Um, there are, there's, that was heavy in my mind when those, when those sections were written. So yeah, large chunks of this or that uh, are inspired by real life. Um, my favorite part of the writing is to do the research because I'll come up with something that seems like a crazy scenario and then you do the research and eventually you find out, oh wait, oh, something did happen like that. <laughs> Maybe a good example uh, from this from the first book, um, 
So you've always seen it's almost a cliche in a you know James Bond or sometimes superhero films where the villain overtakes the airwaves and broadcasts out you know Gotham City do as I say or I'll detonate the bombs or something like that. And for those who are uh, utter true geeks, you may recall something called the Max Headroom incident in Chicago back in the late '80s. This is back when the Max Headroom show was on. Somebody who they've always suspected knew how broadcast television worked figured out how to jam and overwrite the signals that were sent out by two of the major uh, stations out of Chicago. I think they were like the syndicated stations and uh, sent out his own really bizarre. uh, But it was kind of like having the airwaves taken over by some supervillain. And uh, you can Google this. It's called the Max Headroom incident. And as far as I can tell, as I understand, they never found the guy. So I looked at that and that was how you'd send, this is basically how you can manage to overtake a broadcast signal. Wouldn't work on cable, wouldn't work on streaming or something like that. But if you were a terrorist and you started taking over the airwaves to send out these threatening messages, America, we're gonna get you. Well, it didn't really matter because then of course the cable stations, the news networks, everyone would instantly take that message and rebroadcast it because it was news and because it was so shocking and so mysterious and so menacing and stuff. So. Um, I have a heck of a lot of fun doing the research for this stuff. And if I put it in there, chances are it's real. Uh, any, anything not involved, anything I do that mentioned in the book that involves real life people, it really happened in real life. So it's one of the ways where I, I'm writing fiction, but I get a chance to show people kind of this guided tour of some of the odder and stranger corners of nonfiction in our lives in recent years. Yeah. And if it's happened, then it's obviously plausible, which I would say is uh, a hallmark of your story so far that I've read. So uh, looking forward to reading it, Jim. Remind folks where they can get it. Amazon. And that's about it. Uh, This is one of the things that happen when your book is published by Amazon. Uh, I would love to see this in bookstores from coast to coast. That would involve a non-Amazon bookseller having to do this. Um, As I mentioned, it's available for Kindle, available for paperback. Um, I may have the ability to do a signing in the not too distant future in the Northern Virginia area. If you'd like me to come out to your neck of the woods and do a signing at your bookstore, let me know. I'll figure out how to get a bunch of books and get out to you. Uh, my email is at jiminturkey at gmail.com. Please don't abuse that. August 23rd is the official publication date on Amazon and, uh, the, the short story ebook that's, is that available right now? It's available as we speak, Greg. Fantastic. Saving the Devil is the name of that. So, Jim, uh, congratulations already. Uh, look forward to uh, uh, an excellent uh, amount of feedback from this. And uh, I look forward to reading it as well, uh, perhaps while I'm on vacation here. So, uh, Jim, officially enjoy the rest of your vacation. Unofficially, wait, unofficially enjoy the rest of your vacation. <laughs> just for your vacation. Uh, And officially, I'll talk to you tomorrow right back here about uh, one year since the collapse in Afghanistan. Usually this is where I say looking forward to it, Greg. And I can't say I'm looking forward to that, but it's important to talk about. I'll talk to you soon, Greg. Yeah, absolutely right. And as we said, uh, uh, questions and answers later in the week, as well as a midterm preview following the most recent primaries. He's Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already and tell a friend about us. And also, thank you so much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore. DC. Have a great Monday and please join us again on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Former Trump immigration official Stephen Miller joins me to explain how Biden's open borders 
are far more dangerous than most of us understand. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, Miller also details how his America First Legal Foundation is suing the CDC for conspiring to stifle free speech. And I'll explain why Biden giving IDs to illegal immigrants is a horrible idea. Join me. Follow the Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.